following is a digital media production. Samsonites, we have a really nice program lined up for you today. We do a whole recap of Super Tuesday, the South Carolina primary, a 2016 update, a couple of quick hits, and man, do we get into Mitt Romney's arrival on the scene at the end of this podcast. Stick around. It's a good one. Mandatory Samson Podcast. We're back every Friday. That's how we do it, Joey. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the program, everyone. We have an interesting show lined up here. I will say it's a very 2016 heavy. Obviously, there's been a big week. Super Tuesday. Democrats in South Carolina. Over the weekend, there's a GOP debate. All this stuff. There's a lot going on. This is what we're going to do. Super Tuesday, South Carolina primary, and 2016 update to start the show. Okay. All right? Probably get us to the break. Then we're going to get into three quick hits, and we're going to close with potentially. Now, here's this is what I want to talk to you, Joey, about. Yes. I had it written down in the rundown that we were going to do some clips from the GOP debate because I watched that. I took some clips on it like I normally do, and I figured we would just close the show with that. Mm-hmm. Be a nice little wrap-up. There's one particular one we definitely have to get to, but today... Day we're recording. We record on Thursday. It's 4 p.m. on Thursday. At 11.30 this morning, pretty big campaign news. Mitt Romney gave a a big speech. Mm -hmm. He didn't endorse anybody. He didn't say he's getting in the race. But come on, man. What what, what is he doing out there? I think he's endorsing himself. Well, he's saying, look, Mitt is here to save the day. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. He gave this speech. I didn't have time to watch the speech and like take the notes on it as I normally do. I'm thinking end of the podcast, like at the last thing we do, mm-hmm. let's just watch the speech and we'll comment on it and see what he had to say. Cause I read some quotes, pretty serious stuff coming from Mitt Romney. I, I was actually pretty impressed by it. And this is, this is going to go very well according to plan for the Republicans. I think we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. But you want to do that potentially? Yes, we will do that. Cause look, the voting has happened. Uh, the debate clips, there was just one that I wanted to play. That was just a clusterfuck. It's them just like clucking over each other, like a bunch of idiots, but there's not whatever. This is probably more important. I think it's more relevant. Listen, Trump Tuesday happened and Romney has to pick up the pieces. All right, just don't jump the gun here. Rel- okay. Relax a second. I got a couple of snaps. We're gonna, we're actually gonna start. But I got a couple of emails. We'll do some shout outs, and then we're gonna get into the Super Tuesday stuff. I got some snaps this morning about people being like excited to hear what you have to say about Brian Insignia, the cop that arrested Sandra Bland. He got fired. Oh, looking forward to you covering it. And I was like, I hate to break it to you guys, but that's not in the rundown this week. I was thinking about you know putting it on next week. I'm just acknowledging it that I got the Snapchats. I appreciate it. Okay. It's on the radar. It will be covered, but we got a lot going on here with the 2016 stuff. I think it's an important uh, stuff to get into. Before we get into any of the shout outs and the emails, I want to say this. There's a pretty good website. It's called isidewith.com, and they have a 2016 presidential quiz on there. It like breaks down a bunch of different uh, policies, different mm-hmm. topics that are you know, key to this race, you go on, you answer the survey and it'll tell you 
who, who you, you side with. Yeah, who you most closely side with. I took the the thing over the weekend. You did it today on the way in to yes. the city, right? I sided 97% with Bernie Sanders. Oh, good Lord. 96% with Jill Stein of the Green Party, which I'm always saying I'm either going to vote for Bernie or the Green Party because I'm not going to vote for a Republican or Hillary. And then I side 91% with Hillary, but that 9% is a huge, huge disparity. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, so it's, it's worth doing, I think, especially if you listen to this podcast, maybe you're new to politics. Um, it, I think it's worth doing, you know, it, it helps you clarify, I guess, where, where you stand on some of the issues. What, what did you get, Joey? I was 83% Bernie, 82% Hillary. Okay. And I think 77% Jill Stein. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people would actually be surprised probably how closely related you are to the Green Party or somebody that is a, a third party that you're not, you know, is not actually going to become president. But yeah. but right. I mean, have valid ideas that you probably agree with quite a bit. So that's worth checking out. I mean, we're, we're not like endorsed by them or anything, but like isidewith.com is a pretty cool website. And you go, uh, you know, see how you feel about different different issues. I want to shout out everybody on Snapchat. Thank you for the support, the conversations, the questions. I really enjoy that, and I really appreciate it. I got a lot. So I honestly, busy week. I didn't write down everybody's name, but you guys know who you are. I had full conversations with a lot of people. I really, uh, you know, I appreciate the feedback, and I like having the conversations with you guys. Keep them coming, man, Samp on Snapchat. Joey, you're Joey from Jersey with a Z on Snapchat. Uh, promo 206 on Twitter sent some Trump stats from Nevada in relation to Hispanics. Remember, Trump was bragging about he got, he got the majority the of the Hispanic vote. Well, uh, promo 206 on Twitter sent us some of the actual stats just to kind of put stuff into perspective. He goes, re Trump's Latino voter status in Nevada. Just listening to the pod. I guess he was listening to the podcast and uh, decided to do some research from Nate silver quote. It's probably worth reemphasizing how few Hispanics have actually voted for Donald Trump so far in Nevada. 8% of the turnout was Hispanic according to the entrance poll and 45% of those Hispanics voted for Trump based on a caucus turnout of 75,000 Nevadans that works out to about 2,700 Hispanics in a state that has around 800,000 of them. <laughs> so, right. Cause we said it last week that there's probably a little more to those numbers. We didn't dig uh, into them. I love the number game. Well, yeah. When you actually look at what things actually are, as opposed to just listening to the, the words that the politicians are saying. Yep. Yeah. So I appreciate the extra research that you did. Uh, promo 206 on Twitter and thank you very much now we got some emails we're gonna get into them I think they're good they relate to a lot of the stuff we were talking about last week and then we'll get we'll get rolling into this uh, the politics stuff all right yes first email we got is from Mike he says hi Chris and Joey it is a very tricky issue however the alleged rapist name shouldn't be released to the public till after conviction now this goes back obviously to the whole Kesha conversation yes. we had last week and, and that whole discussion, which I really enjoyed. Um, as once labeled a racist, it sticks with you. Same case with terrorists, pedophiles, even if it is proven as a false accusation. Also, false accusers face the prison time equal to that of what the rapist would have gotten as it ruins the life of the accused. I don't agree because in my mind, a rapist should go to jail for life. I don't think that if you accuse somebody of rape, that's that's equal. Although I do understand it really could, could destroy someone. Yeah, a hundred percent. 
Um, big UK listener, Mike. And I like to read that sentence, uh, as like, he's literally a huge guy from the UK. <laughs> he's like seven feet tall, 900 pounds. Uh, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. I think that's a fair point. Any, any thought on that, Joe? It's just sort of a wrap up to what we were talking uh, about. The, I, I do agree about the rapist's name should not be released. However, there's no way to do that because the moment a case is in the news, they have to tell you what the case is about. So kind of by default. Well, kind of, I mean, we do it with minors. We, you know, if, if a 15-year-old or 16-year-old is involved in something, they don't release the name necessarily. So I think it's doable. And I, yeah, I don't see any harm in that. The only, again, the whole caveat with this whole thing is that if you're, the whole system has to be reformed in such a way that victims feel like they are able to actually go and have justice done. And then people who are maybe are falsely accused are able to go through that same process and get justice the same way that, you know, a, a victim would because they are the victim then in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, I think that's reasonable. I don't know how that actually gets enacted, but I hear your point. All right. We got an email from Alex. Chris, I'm probably not your typical listener as I identify as a conservative libertarian, but I listen occasionally just to hear some opposing views. I have a few questions and comments regarding your last podcast. I I answer all the, all the uh, emails. And I said to Alex, I was like, you'd be surprised. We get quite a few messages from people who are conservative and go, ah, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily agree with you, but we like listening to the podcast. Keep it coming. Share with your friends. I'd like to get into that uh, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity uh, realm. That'd be great. I, I would love that type of uh, listenership. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. He goes, you said that you trust politicians more because they are beholden to elections and corporations are not, which I'm just going to be honest with you, Alex. I'm not trying to be a dick, and I appreciate your email, and I'm going to answer your questions. It's not a great sentence. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you saying? It ended no. with a question. It started like a statement. I don't know. I don't know if I actually said last week that I trust politicians more than I do business people or corporations. What I do say all the time, I know for sure, is that as the people of the United States and as an electorate, we actually have technically a say over government Mm -hmm. we have control over it because we elect the people that get into government we don't have control over verizon you can can you can choose to not buy a verizon phone or something like that but in manhattan maybe your building only has verizon so your choice is no internet and tv or verizon Verizon, and you're not a stockholder you're not on the board of directors at verizon so you don't have control over that you can't tell jamie diamond not to take a 25 million dollar salary a year you can choose to vote against your representative that's all that that's my point it's not a trust issue it's we literally have control by definition over our government because it is a representative democracy and they are representing us and we get to choose who represents us now of course moneyed interests different things like this that puts a huge gap between us and the people that are representing us but that's stuff that again we can control by trying to protest or trying to write to our Congress people and have them actually do the things we want or elect Bernie Sanders for fucking Christ's sake. But I don't think that's going to happen, Joey. Not at the moment. No, not ever. It's an, it's, it's over as far as I'm concerned. It's I'm not wearing, over I'm yet. I'm wearing my Bernie Sanders shirt. It's a black shirt, which is fine because it's like a funeral. I think this, this election Listen, is done. He's got $43 million. He's got a cash pile. Yeah, well, we're doing this whole thing. He should build himself a nice house out in out in the woods of Vermont. No, he just got to wait for Hillary to get arrested. That's it. That's not going to happen. Well, we'll get into that a little bit later. Whatever. We're, we're off track here. Let me just finish what uh, what uh, the point was. But I think I kind of already answered the question. I have always thought the exact opposite. 
No matter how much a politician fucks up, they will still be financially well off for the rest of their life with book deals, deals, speeches, etc. If a businessman fucks up and the marketplace reacts to that, then he is out of a job. He may be able to start another company or do something else, but it has a real impact on him uh, that then that he will not happen. That will not happen to the politician. I mean, I think, again, you're confusing my stance on corporations as opposed to business people. Sure. I mean, a, a store owner or something, yes, ha- faces marketplace repercussions that, you know, politicians, Congress people, senators, whatever, probably don't face to the same extent. I mean, not every congressperson's a millionaire that's set for life. The Senate, yeah, once you get to the Senate, you're pretty, you're golden. Um, again, corporations is, is the difference. I'm not necessarily talking yeah, about business people. The, the one thing I did want to mention on that is if a politician does fuck up, uh-huh. kind of like Governor Rick Schneider, who's going to let him give a speech to anybody? Well, it'll be a redemption. I mean, you're right. In the immediate, nobody, but it'll be a redemption redemption story. He'll come out and be like, look, I learned my lesson. I shouldn't have poisoned all those kids. Uh, it was a big mistake. You know, yeah. I, I get what his point is there, but once again, elections happen in government. You don't get to pick who's running Walmart. You know, that's just not how it works. He also sent me a clip of Milton Friedman as a free market guy talking about this stuff. I Full disclosure, didn't have time to watch the video. I didn't watch the video. I apologize. Then he goes on to say, what should we do with the terrorist prisoners of war from the battlefield? I know you don't like Gitmo, but should we just put them in American prisons? Yes, put them on trial, put them in jail if they're guilty. Mm -hmm. If they're not, send them out. They're not guilty. The problem is you create a situation where you're just picking up people randomly in sweeps on the, quote, battlefield in Afghanistan. There is no actual battlefield. That's just Kandahar. You know what I mean? You go there... We, we've considered every place that has terrorists just a war zone. So everybody that you pick up is considered a militant. It's, it's, a, it's a trick of language, essentially, that we're doing that enables us to just fill Guantanamo with God knows who's even in there. Innocent people, people who may be guilty, people who are on the fence, but nobody's getting a trial. Yeah, you got to try these people in a court, in a real court, and put them in a maximum security prison. Nobody gets out of maximum security prison. There's terrorists in jail in America right now. And guess what? They're not getting out. We're fine. It, it's not a problem. You kind of glossed over the fact that the president ordered these photos hidden from the public in May 2009 because it would stoke outrage from the from our enemies, referring to the torture photos yes. that the ACL, ACLU finally got released. Um, I definitely agree with that, but you failed to mention that Obama was president then and made it sound like Bush did that. Um, I don't think that's true, but I will say, fine, maybe I did gloss over it, but obviously Obama's president in 2009. Yes, Obama was the one that did not want to release the pictures. The pictures. I am against that, absolutely. So clearing that up. And then finally, he goes, you blame the 2008 collapse of our economy on Bush. Can you point to any piece of legislation he signed that contributed to the subprime crisis and meltdown of the derivatives markets? Looking forward to your response, Alex. Uh, I mean, well, this is, I've actually had arguments with Alex on, uh, Snapchat. Twitter about climate huh. change and things like that. And he was like, you remember we did that back in the day? I was like, I actually do remember that. <laughs> yeah. So it's cool. I wrote my response down just so I didn't have to do it off the cuff. when I was reading the emails last night, I wrote it. My answer is it's not really that the Bush administration passed any particular law that caused the economy to melt down. It's more that they didn't rein in any of the reckless behavior on wall street, which capitalized on loose lending markets, particularly in the housing sector. Beyond that, Bush fostered a culture of deregulation. Now, I will say this. He did try to create an oversight committee over Fannie and Freddie, which are the big mortgage lenders backed by the government. They're essentially a quasi-federal agency, which Democrats in Congress did shoot down. They didn't want Mm -hmm. regulation over themselves. Of course not. So, okay, that might have helped. 
But Bush didn't bother to regulate the big banks, which were dealing dog shit mortgage-backed securities around the globe. And I just think it was a misguided belief in the free market taking care of itself and the idea of infinite growth. There is no such thing, and it's exactly how people felt before the collapse in 29, and then everything fell apart, and we got the Great Depression. I recommend watching the documentary Inside Job. I watched it a while ago. I think it came out in 2010. But from what I remember, it was extremely eye-opening and really laid out who was to blame. And, uh, you know, and yes, definitely there's people on both sides, but the neocons and the Bush administration were extremely free market, no regulation, let the market take care of itself. And that, you know, that type of, yeah, you're just going to let wall street do whatever they want. They're going to do whatever they want then at that point. And that really created the housing crisis and whatever. There's no particular law that he passed to be like, you know, freeing stuff up. By simply not passing laws, you're freeing stuff up and you're not you're not regulating the stuff. So that's that's what ends up happening. All right. Alex, thank you for your email. And email anytime. Uh, feel free. And anybody, mandatory samson at gmail.com. I'll read them on the podcast. We'll give you an answer. You know, if it's good, obviously, mm-hmm. or something that I feel is relevant. All right. Last email, then we're gonna move on to the Super Tuesday stuff. Hi, Chris and Joey. I came over to your podcast from the TFM podcast, but have found that I've gotten further away from college. And so the topics here are more my speed. Well, thank you. I really Mm -hmm. appreciate that. Please keep listening to the J train podcast. It's a great show and we love Jared. It's awesome. While I do work on wall street, I am not the wolf of wall street, nor do I associate with Gordon Gecko. I did not work on wall street during the crisis, but feel that I have a thoughtful point of view. And since you guys have been covering the 2016 election in so much depth, I thought this would be a good place to share my view. I'm very frustrated with how Wall Street is discussed on both sides of the aisle. Frankly, based on the dialogue from this election, it would appear that politicians in this country could not describe the basic functions of an investment bank. While I know that Wall Street did play a role in the financial collapse, neither Bernie Sanders nor the furthest right Republicans have Wall Street figured out despite the bold claims they make. Rather than turning everyone against a tool of our society that impacts our lives every day, sometimes behind the scenes, a more thoughtful approach is necessary. Do you have thoughts on this? I tried to keep it short and look forward to hearing your thoughts. Best, Coach Ditka, he signed it. Oh, and Mike Ditka? I, I'm hoping that it is actually Mike Ditka, yeah. He says, I res- uh, and then I wrote, I responded to that email as I do with every email, saying I'd read it on the show, and then he wrote back real quick. He said, hey, Chris, good to hear from you. I've been listening since episode one. Mwah. We nice. love you. Thank you. Uh, I think you guys are doing great. I'm glad this is making it on the podcast because I really think Wall Street is an important part of our economy that is often publicly uh, politicized unfairly. As far as my job, I work as a bond salesman at a broker dealer. In its simplest form, I am responsible for communicating client needs to the trading desk and working with the desk to buy and sell bonds. Keep doing what you're doing, and I'm glad I was able to start a conversation with you. Feel free to share whatever you see fit on the podcast. Sorry for the pen name. New York is a smaller city than you think. Mm. I'll be listening, which, by the way, feels like a fucking threat and it i does. don't like it no. uh i hope i know him you know um anyway you got any thoughts on this joey about like the way that wall street is kind of politicized i think he feels unfairly because uh, probably people like him are not the ones that are creating the problem. which i do agree with but there would have to be a way to explain how wall street works in a manner that would help them out obviously yeah i mean that's the thing right it's to like, show hey we're not really that bad it's just the way the system was set up certain things happened and shit happens well that's the thing i don't think necessarily that it's evil i don't think that it's bad things that happen on wall street that that affect the rest of the economy i don't think they're doing that because they want to fuck people over i just think that at this point they're sort of victims of their own 
Transgressions. Well, they're victims of their own, excuse me, success in a, in a sort of way because Wall Street has gotten too impactful on the rest of the economy. If Wall Street fucks up, see, this is the thing. It's all well and good if the actions that Wall Street takes only affect the people on Wall Street that are gambling. They lose their own money, and that's it, the way that I think Alex would, would view business in general. If you have a small business and the market reacts to it and you go out of business, that's on you, but it's not necessarily going to affect the public writ large. That is not the case at Wall Street, and that's, I think, what the point that Bernie is making and Hillary pretends to make, that they're too big to fail, so we need to break up the banks. That's the reality. They, it's not because they're, and in, yes, in part, they are bad, and there is fraud, and there are people doing fucked up things on Wall Street because they're able to get away with it. Nobody is regulating them. You, you, it's like at a certain point, that's almost in the best interest of people like this guy that emails in because then he can work in a regulated industry where people aren't demonizing him and there are clear rules of the road where, yeah, if you break the rules or you break the law, then that person can be individually punished and then good people that are just doing the regular day-to-day work, not trying to screw over and make a billion dollars, then fine. Then they get to work in their industry and, and that's how it's supposed to work. But I think that's, again, a major function of government. It doesn't mean that government has to be up the ass of Wall Street all the time, but it's put a clear structure in place and when people deviate from that structure just like in any civilized society then there's a consequence for it and i think that's that's really the the way that it has to go because you can't just let an industry that literally affects everything in this country and globally run run wild because if they fuck up which is typical human nature people get greedy people think well i can get away with this i'm gonna keep doing it that's all well and good except for the fact that you could really destroy everything greece Greece got tied into the housing bubble. They packaged up all this stuff, all this debt. They didn't even, they weren't even keeping track of where they were selling the stuff. And then somehow it got into Greece's hands. It was sold by Goldman Sachs and Greece's economy collapsed because they just had a shitload of debt. They were the ones holding the hot potato when the clock ran out. You know what I mean? They had all this debt on their books. That's a, that's real shit. That's not how the, the economy can work. And unfortunately, yes, Wall Street is, um, a tool for the society, but it can't be a, a, a bludgeon that eventually uh, kills us all. You know what I mean? It just can't mm-hmm. get to that side. So, and that's how I feel generally about all corporations. I, I, I think the big ones eventually eat the little ones. And then, you know, where you used to have choice, you have no choice because there's one massive company that just controls everything. And that's not really free market either. You know, anyway, any final thoughts on that, Joey? I think you nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, I like answering yes. the, uh, the emails. I think that's good. Okay. Great. 20 minutes and perfect. South Carolina, Super Tuesday, 2016 update, all rolled up into one. Again, after the break, some quick hits, and then we're going to get into this Mitt Romney speech because mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it. Not in a way that I'm like, yay, I'm going to vote for Mitt, but it's just interesting to see somebody uh, come out. You know, it's a monkey wrench. Yeah, it's very exciting. Before Super Tuesday, Joey, on Saturday, Hillary Clinton kicked the absolute shit out of Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders in a South Carolina primary, as we predicted, except for you, I think, calling yes. that Bernie <laughs> was going to win South Carolina, but Hillary won actually 73.5% to 26%. Well, let me be honest with you. I don't, I don't think you were really being serious about that pick. Right? I was not being serious, but one thing I wasn't aware of uh-huh. that I found out that is a fantastic move on Hillary's part, she 
had, uh, she had like surrogates such as the mothers of the unarmed young American Africans who have you, you, African Americans, yeah. yes, who had like Trayvon's mother, right. Sabrina Fulton's mother, Sandra Brand's mother, yeah, and another one which I don't have the name and I apologize right. to go out and help support for her cause. Oh, and absolutely, it's a great idea. And I feel that Bernie has to come up with something. To help him within the black community. I, I, you're right. He I mean he does. I don't think there is a thing that's going to do that. <laughs> I, I, I get into it. I think a little bit. I have a Bernie quote and whatever. We can get into mm-hmm. it a little bit in a minute. But yeah, I don't. I don't think this was going to be the issue right from the start. We said it, and I said, you know, I, I was snapping with somebody. I forget. I, it's so crazy. I have these like long conversations just in the middle of the day with people about politics, which I love. It's fun, but it, uh, you know, I kind of lose track of them. And he was like, man, I'm really pulling for uh, for Bernie. I hope he can pull it out in South Carolina. And I, I was like, he's going to get slaughtered. It's mm-hmm. not going to be good. Because he's not making any inroads with people of color, generally. I mean, young people, any color, that's he's doing well with them. And he does well with white people, and particularly people, you know, 19 to 30 range. Everybody outside of that, he doesn't have a lot of name recognition, and he looks... We got that uh, comment, I guess. I don't even know if I read it on the podcast where he, he Bernie looks like just an old white dude. Mm. And that's, you know, regardless of what he's saying, I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to him because that archetype has been out there. And I think people, particularly black people and people of color, are just not, they're just not into it. And also, again, we talked about it. Bill is referred to in the media as the first black president. Hillary is, you know, obviously married to him. They, I think there's an assumption that they are on the same page as far as their policies would be concerned. And rightly or wrongly, I think people in the black community believe that Bill was very good for them, even though there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. And so I think it's a, it's just a, you know, it's as simple as that. I think, I think she just has that support and it's going to be very impossible in a, in a short period of time for Bernie to, to mount that, to, to mount that, yeah, to climb that mountain. 84% of black voters went to Hillary in South Carolina as compared to 82% that went to Barack Obama. So she even did better with the black community than the first black, the literal first black president. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. it's going to be very difficult for Bernie to do it. Plus, Hillary's been around for how long, you know? Decades. Yeah, and she's run in South Carolina a number of times. She's been there, so. They know who she is. Absolutely, and that's that's really the whole name of the game. We talked about it with Trump. He's got... Huge name recognition. Don't underestimate that. That's what billions of dollars are spent every campaign on. Bernie Sanders quote on the South Carolina loss. We got decimated. We got decimated. The only positive thing for us is we won the 29 years of age and younger vote. And that was good. But we got killed. And that's it. He did. He got killed. Mm -hmm. He got decimated. And man, burn, burned out, Joey. That's the end of that, I think. If we could maybe pick three people that would be influential enough to help Bernie. Would that help? I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. short of Barack Obama coming out and being like, you got to vote for Bernie. It's, it's not happening. It's not going to happen. I have, I'm not just making this up. I have numbers here that we're going to get into. Okay. It's literally who's on track for the nomination as according to 538.com. You'll see what I mean. It's not just a momentum thing, although momentum certainly is playing a factor here. Hillary looks really good. She looks presidential. We have the speeches that her and Trump gave on Super Tuesday. We're going to listen to a couple of mm-hmm. clips of those. There's actual numbers that back this up, and I and it is what it okay. is, I think, at a certain point. All right. On Super Tuesday, moving forward, Donald Trump, Donald John Trump, the beast of the East, won seven of 11 states 
in play while Hillary Clinton swept the South, ultimately taking seven of 11 as well. Trump, Alabama, Georgia, Massachusetts, Tennessee, Virginia, Arkansas, Vermont, Hillary Clinton, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and Massachusetts. Crazy. Thoughts? You want to know who I was mostly surprised at? Sure. On Super Tuesday? Who were you surprised at? Kasich. Why? What, were what you a stand about? he made in v- Vermont. White m- tends to be more independent, you know, probably a little bit more civilized, for lack of a better word, you know, a little more, not civilized, more civility, potentially, you know, that's where, that's where Kasich would do well. And mm-hmm. so he did do pretty well there. But I mean, pl- please, the guy's not, it's not going to happen. As far as I'm concerned, Donald Trump has locked up the nomination. And, and we're going to look, listen, we're going to listen to his speech. He sounds more presidential. He sounds a little bit more uh, polished. He put himself in a setting that looked presidential. So mm-hmm. if you guys are watching the video on YouTube, youtube.com slash mandatory Samson, you can check it out. By the way, I got to say this about the videos. I can't guarantee that I'm going to get them up every, every, every episode. Okay. We live stream. If you want to check it out, go to youtube.com slash mandatory Samson every Thursday at four, we live stream. So you can watch the video on there, but sometimes it's a lot. I got a lot going on. I'm actually working on a couple of different projects here, you know, so getting the podcast prepped, recorded, edited, that's a lot in and of itself. And then, to get the video up is a little bit much. So sometimes I might not get the video up, but I'm going to try my hardest to do that. Okay. Who's on track for the nomination, Joey, at 538.com? These are interesting numbers, and I think, Samsonites, you'll understand what I'm talking about if you're not already with me. Donald Trump right now has 336 delegates out of 1,237 that he needs. 1,237 delegates are needed to win the Republican nomination. He has 336. Cruz has 234, Rubio has 113. According to 538, Donald Trump is 113% ahead of where he'd need to be to get the nomination. Good job. Cruz is only at 61%. Rubio's only at 47%. What this actually means is that in order for Cruz, say, to win the nomination, he still could do it. It's not mathematically impossible, but he would have to overperform, go over 100% of his goal in pretty much every primary from now on. Mm. The odds of that happening are very slim. That would that would require a gigantic collapse by Trump, which it doesn't seem like that's going to happen, and it would also require a huge surge from Cruz or Rubio even more so that it just doesn't seem possible. What if they do the power ticket? What do you mean? What are you talking about? They both come to terms that Trump is too much of an evil uh-huh. and Cruz president and our boy Rubio vice president. Yeah, but I don't think that necessarily accomplishes anything. I mean, again, we're going to get into this Romney thing at the end. Romney's going to be the guy if anybody's going to stop this. I think Romney Rubio is going to be something that they try to put together. Mm-hmm. That's why Romney's poking his head into this thing because he knows that the establishment is not for Trump and he sees an opening here and he also gets... To, well, let's get into it a little okay. bit. I don't want to talk about it right now. This is what I'm going to say. For example, you, you go into the numbers a little bit. Kansas, March 5th, all right, is the next primary. Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, and Maine. Trump needs a target. His target goal is 16 delegates in Kansas, 21 in Kentucky, 23 in Louisiana, 9 in Maine, okay? That's for him to stay on pace to win the nomination. Mm -hmm. Cruz needs 20, 20, 22, and 9 just to be on, 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 
100% target. He'd have to go over that. He'd have to win 25, 28, any all these things. So that's when it starts to become crazier because Trump, if his target's 16 and he gets 17, he's ahead now. He, he's way ahead. And it increases the amount of delegates that they'd have to pick up in other primaries. That's why it becomes increasingly a numbers game as much as it, as much as it is a momentum game. So in a way, I know you don't want to talk about it, but no, I'm going to say it. All right. By Romney giving that speech and endorsing nobody uh-huh. just helps Trump because it keeps everybody in there. So the less likely... Well, it, it gives no advantage to anybody except Romney. Yes. Because in my mind... Fine, let, whatever. You're talking about it. Let's get into it. In my mind, and we've, we've mentioned it before on the show, that it can get to the convention... And they can decide, no, we're not going, there's going to be a broker convention. We're not going to nominate. We are just not going to make Donald Trump our nominee. It's not how it's going to be. They trod Romney out and they team him up with Rubio or whatever, unifies the party. Trump is out. Maybe he runs as a third party. I highly doubt that. And then you have a lot of momentum in a general election, Hillary Clinton versus Romney. That's a lot more palatable to people all across the country. I think he Romney appears to be a moderate, much more civil. I mean, I've read some quotes about the speech that we're going to get into at the end Mm -hmm. of the podcast. You guys should really stick around for that. I think it's going to be illuminating and we get to kind of break some breaking news, which we never get to do. Um, It it just becomes a whole different ballgame. We've always talked about this. The primary process in the Republican Party is the problem. You have to tack so far to the right, like Trump has done with immigration and all this other crazy shit that they're talking about and carpet bombing and ban Muslims and all this crap, that by the time it gets to a general election where people who haven't paid attention to the primary process at all, where they're just out of it and they go, well, we'll wait till somebody gets picked and then we'll, then we'll, then we'll choose between mm-hmm. whoever's on the left and whoever's on the right, which is brain damaged, but okay. Romney gets to avoid the primary process by doing this. If they get to a convention, Mitt Romney got to avoid the one year of saying the craziest right-wing nonsense that you have to say to actually get elected. He will have bypassed that process. Do you understand what a benefit that would be to a guy who, in all likelihood, is pretty moderate, pretty much invented Obamacare in Massachusetts? Mm-hmm. Like he's not, a ba- he's not a bad guy, I don't think. He's not a guy whose ideas I necessarily agree with, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to kill us all. Romney would have gotten to avoid the pitfalls that every Republican candidate has had to, you know, sidestep or whatever for, for decades. It's an unbelievable opportunity for him. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but clearly Mitt Romney is putting himself back into the forefront. And based on what he says in his speech, which we're going to get to, man, it's a palatable message compared to what this animal Trump is saying in a lot of ways. Let's get on to the what's on track for the nomination on, on okay. the Democrats. You understand what I'm saying here, yes. right? I mean, that's what you wanted to get into. Bernie Sanders is at 81% of his benchmarks, essentially, to get the nomination. Okay. They that's need good. 2,026 delegates. Uh, Bernie has 399. Hillary has 596 at 113% of her targets in all these primaries 712 super delegates are not factored into this because again the super delegates can change sides and if for whatever reason bernie got the nom- you know the popular nomination i think they'd probably support him i don't think we'd be looking at a situation where they would go against the majority of the democrats all right but f- again for example here we go let's look at some of the super tuesday states all right Hillary needed 126 uh, delegates out of Texas. Okay. Mm -hmm. She got 146. 
So she's 20 over what she needed to do. Bernie, on the other hand, got 76 of 96 that he needed. So he's got to make up 20 delegates somewhere else. So he'd have to overperform again in so many states that the odds of him actually accumulating the amount of delegates that he needs is becoming very difficult, especially because Hillary looks like the nominee now. Yes. He needed to win more early. Iowa, he needed it, apparently. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. these are things that he really needed. Even, for example, in New Hampshire, he got 15 of 15 as well as he did. He just was on target. That's what's, you know, that's like the frustrating thing. He needed way more than 15. If he had gotten, you know, whatever, 22 or something. So, so virtually it comes down that they have to pick a state or like a f- last line of defense and he has to overperform in those states. Maybe, maybe, or, or take a, right, target a handful of states that he goes, I'm already winning a lot in here. I have to bump these numbers up 10% because then maybe I can get back into the race. But even, for example, in Iowa, look at this. Bernie did well. We talked about mm-hmm. it momentum-wise. He lost by a fraction of a, you know, a percentage. It was basically a tie. He, had, he needed 26 delegates. He got 21. Hillary only needed 18. She got 23. So just by, by barely winning, she overperformed because her base of support is already so much higher than his that her just fractionally going over gives her a huge advantage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Her, her, because her, her support is so spread out that she's able to, to, to outperform it, which is frustrating, but that's the process. And it is what it is. And I, and I believe me, <laughs> I want Bernie Sanders to be the president. There's no doubt about that. He's not going to be the president. Well, you do side with him 97%, apparently. Yeah, and that's not bullshit. I mean, I went into the, you know, if you guys go on isidewith.com, you can look at, you know, there's expanded questions. I answered all the questions, and it's on that bullshitting. I even wrote in some custom answers, you know? (laughs) I really do side with the guy. I, I truly believe in his message, and I really think that he would be the guy that we want in office. I don't believe it's possible, and I would love to be surprised, and I'd love to see something happen where he just surges all of a sudden, but... I, th- I think that's over. I think we saw the potential for it, and I, I just don't see the path forward, especially with him getting, like, to his word, decimated in the black community. It, you're not going to win. You know, you That's why Republicans are going to have a hard time winning. They're not going to get black and brown people. It's just not going to happen. Bernie's not getting them either, and that sucks, but it's just the reality of the situation. So, well, that's it. All right. Let's listen to some of the speeches. We got Hillary, her Super Tuesday speech, two quick clips. Trump's Super Tuesday speech, and then we'll do a quick uh, 2016 wrap-up, a break, some quick hits, and then we'll close with the Romney speech. Sound good to everybody? All right. Perfect. So what do you want to do first, Hillary or Trump? It's up to you, Joey. Trump. Donald Trump's Super Tuesday speech. We're just going to listen to the last, uh, let's call it four minutes of his speech. Uh, Try to notice tone. And you can, you know, tell me when to pause it, Joey, if you have any particular comment about it. Did you watch this live on Tuesday? Yes, I did. You did. All right. I did not actually see it. I was, uh, I forget what I was doing, but I was here late for some reason. Oh, we did race horse. All right. This is Donald Trump on Super Tuesday. He's got his uh, buddy, Chris Christie, standing behind him, looking very much like a presidential ticket. We're going to get into that during the 2016 update. But here's Donald Trump after a 7 for 11 performance on Super Tuesday, making the case that the nomination is his. Answer is absolutely not. Okay, how about one or two more questions, David? Go ahead. Make it a nice question, David, please.
I, I think, you know, David, I, I, okay, go ahead. Well, look, I don't expect. I have a lot of respect for Reince and for the group, and I like the RNC, and I don't know that I've been treated fairly or not. I really don't know. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that I do respect them. Uh, what I really have is a great number of people. I have millions and millions of people. And when I was watching millions. this broadcast... Millions! Millions! It's like The Rock, Joe. Mm -hmm. Yes, just a little while ago, before I came in here, because I wanted to see exactly where we were before I started speaking. I was amazed at the kind of numbers. The Republicans have tremendous energy. The Democrats don't. They don't have any energy. Their numbers are down. Our numbers are through the roof. And people are making the statements they've never seen in modern times, a party that was so energized. I think if somebody is doing as well as I'm doing, and I'm not just speaking for myself, whether it's me or anybody else, but if I'm going to win five, I've already won five, but maybe it could be six, seven, eight, Nine could be nine. It was seven. Win nine states okay. tonight. If I'm going to win all of these states with tremendous numbers, and if I'm going to come in the worst is second, in the two or three that I might not win, I think you know we're a democracy. I think it's awfully hard to say that's not the person we want to lead the party, right? You know. Now, noticeable tone difference, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not a guy that's screaming and yelling. Although earlier in the press conference or whatever it is, but also he didn't present this as a speech. It's a press conference. He's out in Florida. Mm -hmm. He's got a podium. Christie's behind him. American flags. Looks like it could just easily be the president giving a press conference. He's taking questions from the journalist. He's trying to make the case. And yes. I think he makes the case convincingly. And I, and I don't. It's hard to argue with it. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. But he's right. I mean, it's very hard to argue that he's not the nominee. He's certainly the, the clear front runner. I mean, it's, it's very hard to make a case against him. It's very hard. But I really think that, I think it's a great question, David, because I really think that one of the biggest things that everybody is seeing happening, and everybody, is the Republican Party has become more dynamic, it's become more diverse, we're taking from the Democrats, we're taking from the independents, we have a lot more people. We have a lot more people. I mean, take a look at South Carolina. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers from four years ago when nobody even wanted to waste their time and vote. And then you look at, the, I was there, and you had lines that went a mile long, and it was virtually more than doubled. So we have a very, very dynamic party, and I think we're going to be able to unify the party. I hope to be able to get along with everybody. I don't know Paul Ryan well, but I hope to be able to get along with him. He was my running mate. I chose him. All right, Romney, relax. We'll get to you in a little bit. I do know Mitch McConnell uh, a little bit, but I hope to be able to get along with him. But remember this, I have millions and millions and millions of people. This isn't like it's a close match. I mean, it's only too bad that Winner didn't take all. Because if mm. Winner took all, this thing is over. We're just having a celebration. He's right. He's absolutely you know, right. We're having a celebration. Uh, I've never seen somebody, Chris Christie is standing behind, the optics of this thing is insane because it looks like he's just like Mookie bodyguard in the background, not smiling, but applauding, but mm -hmm. never changing his facial expression. <laughs> like he is just, he's, he's standing there the whole time being like, how the fuck did this happen? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I would like to, look, I just want to end by thanking everybody. This has been an amazing period in my life. Uh, my wife just called, and, and Ivanka, as you know, is going to be having a baby very soon, and she's a special person, and it's going to be great, and we look forward to that. She's back in New York. She wanted to be here. They all wanted to be here, but they're with Ivanka now. 
and that could be certainly within the next week. But this has been an amazing period of time. It's been amazing for me, even from an educational standpoint. And I think, honestly, we've done something that almost nobody thought could be done. And I'm very proud of it. And I just want to leave you with this. I am a unifier. I would love to see the Republican Party and everybody get together and unify. And when we unify, there's nobody, nobody that's going to beat us. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. You know what the sad thing is? What's that, Joey? They're going to unify against him. Yeah. Well, absolutely. He is a unifier. You're right. That's a really, really well put. Yes, he's he's unifying the party against himself. Yes. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, interesting, Joey. Great, great point. All right. Hillary Clinton's Super Tuesday speech. I got a cup. You know what? I don't know. Do we even really have to listen to Hillary's Super Tuesday? Nah. Let me let one clip. It's like one minute. Let's just let's hear what she says. It's a different. Is tone. it more about love and kindness? Which I don't. I don't feel it. You don't feel. What do you mean? Love and kindness coming, coming from, from Hillary, Hillary Clinton. No, I, I don't either. Let's just listen to like one okay. minute uh, just for the sake of uh, argument here. This is Hillary Clinton speaking on Super Tuesday after her, you know, seven of 11 run just like Trump went on. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a different tone. She's giving like a real victory speech here, which I think she needs to do. And uh, let's just see what she has to say real quick and then we can uh, move on. There. Communities that are hurting and need help. But we've come too far in this country to let us turn back. We're going to build on the progress that we've made. We saved the auto industry thanks to President Obama. Now we've got to create new jobs and industries of the future. We now have ensured 90% of Americans thanks to President Obama. Now we've got to finish the job and get to 100%. We have come too far to stop now. We've got to keep going, keep working, keep breaking down those barriers, and imagine what we can build together when each and every American has the chance to live up to his or her own God-given potential. Thank you all so very much. Uh, damn it, Joey. I'm not excited about either a prospect here. I mean, I'm really not. I'm not plus, but that's Hillary obviously giving a much different, grander speech there, you know, trying to, I think that's her unifying moment, trying to, trying to make the case. Look, look, look at the support I have here. Bernie did good, but come on, let's get real. You know, I think that's what Hillary's trying to get across there. And I think she did. I, I, I and again, the math backs her up. So what, what are you going to say? All right. Quick 2016 update on Friday. Chris Christie made a surprise endorsement of Donald Trump. I have his quote here. He says, there is no one who is better prepared to provide America with the strong leadership it needs than Donald Trump. He'll provide strong, unequivocal leadership and create a job, create jobs for this country. Trump is rewriting the playbook of American politics. He is someone who's going to lead the Republican party to victory in November over Hillary Clinton, which is the single most important thing we can do. Obviously Chris Christie is angling for the vice presidency here. It's a power hungry move, mm-hmm. um, which is a nice change of pace from just being regular hungry all the time. Uh, <laughs> you went for the easy one. <laughs> that's that's that was a little creative. I got yeah. into that. Um, all right. Also, apparently, the New York Times has a tape of Donald Trump 
saying something to the effect of, quote, the only position, no, that's not an actual quote, but I'm mm-hmm. just saying, paraphrasing, the only positions I have are ones adopted for strategic purposes when making a deal, which if there's an actual tape of Donald Trump saying that, then it calls into question everything. The wall, his stance on Obamacare, his trade deals, all this stuff. It, it really undermines his message, especially if it's something coming from the New York Times or whatever. It's gonna the be Times a- is more liberal? Yes. So wouldn't they want to put out the tape? Yeah, would you? Or would you rather wait until he's the actual nominee? Because there's Ooh. no guarantee. You know what I mean? Because why bother sinking now? Because then they're just going to throw in Cruz, Rubio. Wait till he's the nominee. That's going to sell newspapers. Talking. Then start, well, I mean, the, I mean, I don't think the Times is selling. They A lot of their business is probably online. Also, Donald Trump was endorsed by white supremacist former Ku Klux Klan Grand Wizard David Duke, and it took him several tries to actually renounce that endorsement. For the record, I don't think you should have to renounce an endorsement. You don't have to. Nobody said you have to. Well, apparently everyone's claiming that Donald should have white people i mean you know black people and people who aren't like complete psycho racist sure Mm -hmm. i got a minute clip you want to hear him not renounce this yes you don't want his vote or that of other white supremacists in this election well just so you understand i don't know anything about david duke okay i don't know really you don't know he doesn't know anything about david duke that right there it's like you do you do know who david duke is come on man (laughs) anything about what you're even talking about with uh, white supremacy or white supremacists so i don't know i mean i don't know did, did he endorse me or what's going on because you know i know nothing about david duke i know nothing about white supremacists and so you're asking me a question that I'm supposed to be talking about people that I know nothing about. But th- I guess the question from the, from the Anti-Defamation League is, even if you don't know about their endorsement, there are these groups and individuals endorsing you. Would you just say, unequivocally, you condemn them and you don't want their support? Well, I have to look at the group. I mean, I don't know what group you're talking about. He you needs the want votes. me to condemn a group. What if, I do every vote. What if they're a good supremacist group? I don't know. The groups, I will do research on them, and certainly I would disavow if I thought there was something wrong. The but you Ku may Klux have groups Klan? in there that are totally fine, <laughs> and it would be very unfair. So give me a list of the groups, and I'll let you know. Okay. I mean, I'm just talking about David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan here, but... I don't know. Any, honestly, I don't know David Duke. I don't believe I've ever met him. I'm pretty sure I didn't meet him, and I just don't know anything about him. But you know what the Klan is. You are aware <laughs> of what the Klan is. And then later, Trump claimed that he had a, a faulty uh, earpiece, and he wasn't really hearing. Cl- like, come the fuck on. He was answering immediately. He knew exactly. <sighs> All these, like, winners. I'm an, I'm an unab- unabated winner. I fucking crush everybody. Losing's for losers. And then... They make excuses. Nobody wants to actually just be like, yeah, I, I but say I, I don't want the Ku Klux Klan support. What, what, what's so wrong about that? But maybe he does want the vote. Well, of course. I mean, right. He does. He does want them to support him. Of course. Uh, this is Mitt Romney jumping in on this. Romney also was brought up like three times during the GOP debate. Romney got involved. Again, he's peeking his head out, seeing what's going on, and he, it really comes to... So into, Romney's kind of like Beetlejuice then, right? If you say his name three times, he appeals? Apparently, yeah, because he, he showed up... Uh, yes, he popped out of the little model sculpture. Whatever, we're not going to get into a Beetlejuice reference. Mitt Romney on Twitter said, a disqualifying and disgusting response by Donald Trump to the KKK. His coddling of repugnant bigotry is not in the character of America. Hard, strong mm. from Romney. Pretty good. Um, all right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into, I got a, just a quick clip. It's 20 seconds of Adam McKay, who won uh, 
I guess best director, whatever for the big short, mm-hmm. um, his speech. I liked what he had to say. Two quick hits. We're going to close with the Mitt Romney speech, which I think is very impactful. And we'll see where it goes. Welcome to our presidential debate between Donald Trump. Thank you, sweetheart. Bernie Sanders. I'm honored that the American people are devoting their time to us tonight. And Hillary Clinton. Where is she? Is she still in the toilet again? I hope she's not deleting any more emails. I am so sorry. I was in the little girl's room. (laughs) Bill, maybe you should get yourself a squatty potty. A what? Squatty potty. It's the small toilet stool. It puts yourself in the correct angle. So, you know, you can go better. Sanders, I think you're full of it. Heck, you believe you unicorns can make rainbows. I am not full of it. Since I've been using Squatty Potty, I'm able to let it all go. A lot easier. Squatty Potty can get our country moving again. There's no debate. Squatty Potty, as seen on Shark Tank and made in the USA, will guarantee better eliminations. Go to electsquattypotty.com for free express delivery and discreet packaging. Squatty Potty has an exclusive 60-day guarantee and is available at all Bed Bath & Beyond and Target stores. Go to electsquattypotty.com today. Get America moving again. Invest in a Squatty Potty. (laughs) Celebrity voices are parodied and not endorsements. This is Sherrod Small and Kurt Metzger of the Race Wars Podcast. Check out our podcast to hear the very first interracial friends in That's history. Right. That's right. That's right. We are the first. We are. The first real interracial friends talking about race openly yep. and without fear and there ain't nothing like it anywhere. That's you're right. cheating yourself if you're not listening. You can find new and archived episodes of Race Wars on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Yeah. So check it out. Okay, Joey, here's what we're going to do. Let's play Adam McKay from The Big Short. Great movie, by the way. I think I did mention it on the show. I haven't seen it. Check it out. It's really, really good. Um, Funny, well done, uh, dramatic in in parts, infuriating in parts, and it really gets into the the housing crisis and how that all began and, you know, what really went on there. Uh, This is Adam McKay. Quick little accepted speech. I, I liked what he had to say in it, and that's the only reason I'm playing it. Good for him. He had a stage, and he he took the chance Taking to say so. a risk on a movie that's about financial esoterica and believing in it. Um, thank you to my beautiful wife, Shira Piven. There she is. And my children, uh, Lily Rose, my two daughters, uh, Lily Rose and Pearl, I love you so much. Uh, most of all, if you don't want big money to control government, don't vote for candidates that take money from big banks, oil, or weirdo billionaires. Stop. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Weirdo billionaires is what really... Yeah, stop. If you don't want... This is my point. This goes back to what Alex was asking in the, que- in the question. It's not that I trust politicians necessarily more, although there are probably some that I would trust. Uh, you know, whatever. I don't know anybody personally, so who the fuck knows? But... Right. You, you you don't have to vote for people if they're taking money. We, we can actually change that. You, you're not going to do anything about the Koch brothers. They are who they are and they have their money and they don't have to listen to a goddamn thing that I have to say. I like that speech. I just wanted to give a little shine to it. Joey, this is an interesting update. You ready for this shit? Mm-hmm. How you doing over there, buddy? I I'm feel doing like you well, thank you. Do, all right. You feeling okay? Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Malaysia Airlines flight MH370. Malaysian officials Say debris washed up in Mozambique could be from a Boeing 777, the type of plane which crashed and went missing two years ago. You remember this? The Malaysian plane crashed. They were like, what the hell happened to this goddamn thing? They maybe found some debris off the coast of Mozambique, which is is very interesting. Uh, Leo Tong Lai, the Malaysian transport minister on Twitter said, based on early reports, High possibility debris found in Mozambique belongs to a B777. I urged everyone to avoid undue speculation as we are not able to conclude that the debris belongs to the hashtag MH370. 
370 at this time. Darren Chester, who's the Minister for Infrastructure and Transport, said the location of the debris is consistent with drift modeling commissioned by the Australian Transport Safety Bureau and reaffirms the search area for MH370 MH in the southern Indian Ocean. So where's the rest of it? Well, who the fuck knows? I mean, it could have sank at some point or or whatever, just exploded when the plane crashed. Hmm. You know, who who knows? But, you know, I mean, at least maybe that's a little bit of closure for everyone, particularly the families and, you know, people involved. That's, you know, you maybe get a little bit of uh, closure on this whole thing. Thoughts on that, Joey? That's it? It was just a little bit of a mention here? Um, the one thing I I found interesting was the fact that American blogger Bain Gibson has been running his own research. Okay. And he's been what, finding how pieces. How much time do you have in your life that you you can just dedicate your life to searching for this plane? I mean, I I don't understand. Wolf Blitzer, I get it. He's going <laughs> to be on TV all the time. What is this guy up to? He's trying to find the missing pieces. How? How is he trying to do that? I oh, you're just that. bringing that up? Well, yes, what? I'm bringing you have that nothing up. else about him? Nothing about him. No, that's it. All right, thank you. Dynamite drop in, Joey. Uh, all right, well, anyway, so... We'll see what happens. Obviously, that's certainly interesting that, that you know, maybe they found that plane because it's fucking weird when shit like that happens. Things mm-hmm. disappear and you, you don't actually find out. So pretty cool. Okay. Second quick thing I wanted to mention, because I think it's awesome. Scott Kelly, the American astronaut, is back on Earth after 340 consecutive days in space, which is a record for American space flight. And after orbiting Earth 5,440 times, U.S. astronaut Scott Kelly returned to his home planet, touching down in Kazakhstan aboard Russia's Soyuz capsule. He was also joined by Sergei Volkov and Mikhail Kornienko, who are two Russian cosmonauts. Um, That's a lot of times around the Earth. It's unbelievable. I mean, I was following him on Instagram and, you know, I was kind of following this, uh, his journey for the last his year. Space adventure. Yeah, his space adventure. Exactly. Some incredible pictures and, you know, just different things that he, that he did in space. Pretty amazing. And again, he's part of the twin. The reason why he went up there is his brother, um, Mark Kelly is Gabby Giffords, the congresswoman mm-hmm. that got shot in the head. He's an astronaut. Also, they're twin astronauts. One of them stayed on earth. Mark did. Scott went up into space for a year and then they can study, the effects of space because they're, they're twins. So the, mm-hmm. the odds, you know, their, their biological makeup is very similar. So it's like a perfect case study. So anyway, congratulations, sir, on setting that record. Uh, unbelievable. I feel like astronauts and people that work in the space program and scientists generally don't get the credit that they deserve in this country. They're demonized as shills for, you know, wind farms, I guess. I, I don't even <laughs> know, but, uh, I mean, really a hero and pretty incredible. Just think about that, Joey, for a year. Just floating around up in space doing research. I would like to give it a shot. I'm just going to put my name in it. I would probably be able to last in space for about a weekend. And then I'd be like, all right, I got it. Pretty cool. So I wanted to put that out there. Now, before we close with the Romney clip, mm-hmm. you think it's okay that we're not listening to the GOP debate, right? Yeah. Shit has fine. already happened. I mean, Super Tuesday Tr- happened. Uh, Trump Tuesday happened. Trump, Trump Tuesday did happen. All right. MSNBC, Bernie, and the TPP. I'm never going to stop highlighting the things that Bernie does that are great, and especially during the rest of the election, I, I, even if he's not involved, which I, I don't think he's dropping out. Again, he's not out-out, but I think the numbers are against him. It's probably unrealistic to think that he's going to get the nomination at this point. I hope he stays out there in the forefront. And this is the point, that maybe you're not going to win, but you're pushing the dialogue in a certain direction. You're becoming a name 
mm-hmm. nationally more than you ever were before. And hopefully you inspire different people in the future to run and go, you know what? I can say I'm a socialist and, and literally, and really be considered a, a potential candidate because he was really in it. I mean, he's in it still, but well, also I think the other benefit is it, pushes her more to the left well supposedly during the campaign that's yes. the, you know that's the thing but right but but you one would hope that he takes that into that general election i mean that she takes it into the general election she won't but right but the but the idea is though i think there's an elect there's a budding electorate of people i was talking on snapchat about uh i, I want to say kyle and i'm sorry if i don't remember exactly but uh, believe me I, I appreciate the conversation um that he was going to vote for the first time i mean he was getting involved in the primary process and he was snapchatting me and all this stuff that's incredible. That's great. And people like Bernie when Bernie gets in. Now that's an idea that is in this young kid's head. You know what I mean? Some This is possible in America. Mm-hmm. And then when you hear those ideas, maybe you're not as averse to them. You go, yeah, of course, that's a possibility. Sure, that's something I'm open to. That's what Bernie's role, it looks like, is going to be, if not the president. But that's that's great. I'm happy that that is something that has happened at least. MSNBC owner Comcast has lobbied for the TPP. Media Matters did a survey finding that outside of the Ed Schultz show on MSNBC, uh, which he's since been fired and the show's been canceled, TPP was mentioned how many times in 18 months on MSNBC, the quote liberal network? How many times was TPP mentioned outside of the Ed Schultz program? Ah, uh, you, you got to think 50, 60 times. Two times. Oh, what? Two times. Two so. times. Two times. Bernie was given a speech talking about the TBP and you tell me what happens here. You tell me if this is weird or not. Okay. okay. Bernie's giving a speech about trade deals in general. Then you, you tell me what happens when he mentions the TPP weird. Okay. But again, Comcast owns MSNBC. Yeah. They like the trans Pacific partnership. Let, let's see. When I got into Congress in 1991, this is MSNBC live. They're just covering Bernie mm-hmm. speaking in Boston. I heard about that. 3.30 in the afternoon. Not a huge time of day for breaking news, whatever. It's just like an afternoon. And it didn't take me long to understand that NAFTA and ensuing trade policies, which were written by corporate America, were written for one simple reason. And that is corporate America was saying, why should I have to pay workers in the United States 15, 20, 25 bucks an hour, provide benefits and have to obey environmental regulations when I can shut down in America, move to Mexico, move to China, move to other low-wage countries, pay workers there pennies an hour, and then I bring my product back into this country. That's what those pieces of legislation were about, I'm talking about NAFTA, CAFTA, permanent normal trade relations with China. No, he's talking, he's saying NAFTA, CAFTA, they already mm-hmm. passed, right? Yes. So, okay. And others. That's what these trade policies... <laughs> that, I don't know, that was just in the video. I don't know why I didn't, that had nothing to okay. do with anything. All right. ...were written for, that is what has happened. We have lost millions of decent paying jobs which have ravaged community after community after community all over this country. The average American who walks into a store now finds it harder and harder to purchase products made in America and often the only alternative is made in China or someplace else. Now on that issue, I voted against NAFTA against CAFTA, 
against permanent normal trade relations with China, and I am helping to lead the opposition to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We've been listening to Bernie Sanders, less of a news conference, more of a speech in Boston. They're drawing contrast with Hillary Clinton. I want to turn back to the Republican side of things because we have some breaking news to report. We had told you last hour. Well, there's some breaking news. Let's hear what the breaking news is that we were going to be talking to Rick Tyler, the spokesman for the Cruz campaign. He actually abruptly left just before we were about to go live to him. And now they interrupted to go live to somebody that's not there. Mm -hmm. And isn't that interesting? As soon as he started talking about the TPP, they're like, oh, well, this isn't This is a news. Forget it. We're out. This is a speech. This isn't a news. Is that unbelievable or what? I mean, it's not unbelievable. Yeah. But. <laughs> Uh, it's <laughs> that's great. It's choosing what you want to report on. That's oh it. Oh my god! They, they they didn't want to continue coverage. Wow! Oh, he said TPP and cutaway. Perfect. Yes. But we don't need to hear this propaganda. We're still working on this thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. You want to talk? I mean, that's corporate owned media. Yes. Okay. Prime example. If something is, happens or somebody says something, you either cut the mic or you cut away. Can it be a coincidence? Sure. Is it a coincidence? I Definitely it. not. No, it's not. It is 100% not. I promise you it's not. Uh, also, I don't actually know that, right? But for my own opinion, I'm just saying that's not coincidence. I'm pretty sure they're going to let us know, Chris. The Comcast? Is yes, gonna Comcast is going to, you know, get back to us. Yeah, as, as we're talking right now, somebody's just going to like, a voiceover is <laughs> going to come over and be like, we interrupt this stupid <laughs> podcast to talk about the TPP. Uh, all right. Pretty good. Ready to do this? Now, mm -hmm. I haven't watched the Romney speech. Again, I've read some clips. Joe, you said you watched it like one and a half times. Yeah, or one and a half times. Um, let's just do it. I think it's like 15 minutes. We're not going to listen to the entire 15 minutes. We can skip around, whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to hear the flow of it. And it's fun because this happened today. We get to talk about it today. It's cool. So let's do it. It's like breaking news, essentially. Yes. So this is Mitt Romney. And we're just going to end with this. This is Mitt Romney um, giving an impromptu, or not impromptu, obviously he planned it, but giving a speech kind of out of the blue and I think trying to establish himself as an alternative to the presumptive nominee in the Republican side, Donald Trump. So Mitt Romney at the podium. Thank you. All right. Now, uh, that time is the charm, right? It usually takes Republicans a couple of tries. They don't usually yeah. win on the first shot. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not here to announce my candidacy for office, and I'm not going to endorse a candidate today. Mistake. Instead, no. I'd like to offer my perspective on the nominating process of my party. Back in 1964, uh, just days before the presidential election, which incidentally we lost, Ronald Reagan went on national t uh, television and uh, challenged America, saying that it was a time for choosing. He saw two paths for America, one that embraced conservative principles dedicated to lifting people out of poverty and helping create opportunity for all, and the other, an oppressive government that would lead America down a darker, less free path. Now, I want to say this, Joey. Mm -hmm. Analyze this as, how do I want to put it? Take it in tone, take his tone into account. Take into account the things he chooses to mention, the things he doesn't mention, and also look at this as 
if this was seven, eight months ago or whatever, when the process started and a guy gave a speech like this, would you say, boy, he's probably running for president and I am kind of interested to hear more about what he has to say on these topics, Mm -hmm. right? That's how we should be analyzing it because again, he's trying to jump through the, avoid the primary process and then skip right to the nominating process, which I think is very interesting. It's got to be what he's doing. Otherwise, this is a, this is a waste. This is a waste. And I, I doubt this. This guy doesn't feel like a time waster. I just want to say that if I was a member of the establishment, which obviously I'm not, uh-huh. do you know? You're pretty who, establishment, Joe. You're pretty. Do, do you know who, who I would throw up there? Huh. Boehner. What? Why? I would throw Boehner. Why? Former Speaker of the House. Here's the Who thing. better to already be president than the third person in line to have been president. Yeah, by accident. Mitt Romney is, is better than Boehner. Boehner, I hear what you're saying. A guy that's and been he in, cries on cue. God's been in government, a guy, but again, he is not even the Speaker of the House, and the reason is because they voted him out. So Romney's, Romney's the only option, and, we, and we've okay. said it a number of times. This is the guy that you're going to step in with because, again, he looks much more civil and respectable and not like somebody that's going to you know, execute Mexicans and get us killed. It just doesn't feel like that guy. Now, again, I'm not endorsing Romney. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I completely understand why he'd be more palatable to people than Donald Trump and independents, people that might vote for Hillary, but the, the crowd might not want him. We'll see what happens. I think the crowd's spoken. What crowd, Joey? Nobody's voting for Mitt Romney. This is first go. No, for for Donald. Let's see what happens. Donald Trump's the only option there. Who do you like? Cruz, that fucking creep liar. Like Trump looks great compared to the people he's running against. He doesn't look great compared to Romney, in my opinion. Let's see what happens. Ronald Reagan, and this is a different moment in time. But I believe with all my heart and soul that we face another time for choosing. One that'll have profound consequences for the Republican Party and more importantly for our country. I say this in part because of my conviction that America is poised to lead the world for another century. Our technology engines, our innovation dynamic, the ambition and skill of our people are going to propel our economy and raise the standard of living of Americans. America will remain as it is today, the envy of the world. You may have seen Warren Buffett. He said, and I think he's 100% right, that the babies being born in America today are the luckiest crop in history. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have real problems and serious challenges. We do. At home, poverty persists and wages are stagnant. The horrific massacres of Paris and San Bernardino, the nuclear ambitions of the Iranian mullahs, the aggressions of Putin, the growing assertiveness of China. You know, by the way, Romney also has a pretty strong argument because he's on record as saying that in one of the, when he was running last time, I think that, or whatever they asked him, who's the, you know, who's our biggest threat. He said, Russia, mm-hmm. which is, which, okay. That's all. It's all debatable, but he can point to that and be like, see, look what Putin's doing now. I was right about this. Look what he did in yeah. Ukraine. Look what he's doing in Syria. Again, there's other factors there and you can argue whether that's correct or not. But I think Romney he's on record with has him. some foreign policy bona fides that, that Trump does not have because he hasn't been there. And the nuclear tests of North Korea confirm that we live in troubled and dangerous times. But if we make the right choices, America's future will be even better than our past and better than our present. On the other hand, if we make improvident choices, 
the bright horizon I've described will not materialize. And let me put it very plainly. If we Republicans choose Donald Trump as our nominee, the prospects for a safe and prosperous future are greatly diminished. Let me explain why I say that. I understand why you say that, because you want to be president. It's a leadership moment. He's stepping up and going, look, I've been through this process. I understand I didn't win. There's no hard feelings about that. I'm concerned as a citizen and as a Republican. And these are the things that I'm thinking about right now. You tell me what you guys think about it. And then he leaves the stage. I think he's dead wrong. You think he's dead wrong about what? Trump. What about Trump do you think he's wrong about? Everything. Come on, Joey. If you're going to jump in with something, fucking explain what you're talking about. People are listening. What do you mean? Like, obviously, Donald Trump is the nominee right now. We right? didn't get to trade yet, so let's Well, we'll get to get it, that. but I'm just... Okay, but we're getting there. Just I'm, But you're saying you think he's wrong. Well, of course, he's a different person. And if he has ambitions to be president, what is he going to say? Trump is right. I think he's doing everything correctly, but you should vote for me instead. He's got to say that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, he, and Trump isn't right about everything. Trump is winning, but it doesn't mean he's correct. First on the economy. If Donald Trump's plans were ever implemented the country would sink into prolonged recession. A few examples. His proposed 35% tariff-like penalties would instigate a trade war, and that would raise prices for consumers. You know, the other thing here, it's like Romney, he's a, he's a wealthy guy too. He can make the same arguments against Trump that Trump makes against everybody else. Like, I'm a self-made man. I did all this stuff. You know, I mean, obviously, of course, I don't. They're both not self-made men. They had advantages and they had money to begin with to start their businesses and blah, blah, blah. But apples to apples, Romney can go, look, I have plenty of money too. Yeah, maybe I'm not a billionaire, but neither are you because your taxes are probably full of shit. And blah, you know, like mm -hmm. he can make an argument that these other guys can't make. I've created jobs. I'm a, you know. Kill our export jobs and lead entrepreneurs and businesses of all stripes to flee America. His tax plan in combination with his refusal to reform entitlements and to honestly address spending would balloon the deficit and the national debt. So even though Donald Trump has offered very few specific economic plans, what little he has said is enough to know that he would be very bad for American workers and for American families. All right. But you say, wait, wait, wait. Isn't he a huge business success? Doesn't he know what he's talking about? Brutal attacks coming from Romney right here. Things that the other Republicans should have been doing, but this could have been the fucking plan all along. No, he isn't. And no, he doesn't. His, uh... It's a nice ovation, Joe. He's getting a nice applause there. Pause it for a second. Sure. It's very easy to get an applause when you pack the room with people that support I gotta, you. I got to ask you something, because I'm sensing you're very oppositional here to, to, to mm -hmm. Romney, which is fine, but I just want you to flesh it out a little bit and explain to me. I feel like you're defending Trump. Why are you defending Trump? Because... is there, Am I correct that you're I, defending I Trump? I am defending Trump. Okay. Because as of now, he's done everything he's supposed to to get the Republican nomination. Right. He went through the process, mm -hmm. and they're going to find a way to screw the man out of this entire process. Okay. And, and I yeah, stand against that. You fundamentally disagree. Well, look, you're right. Trump hasn't done it. I mean, again, we're taking policy out. We're taking things he said out. But as far as the actual process is concerned, mm -hmm. Donald Trump has run the gamut just like everybody else, and he's come out on top. Yes. You're right. There's no question about that. 
it'll be interesting to see how people react. Now, of course, there's a base of the Republican Party that is not going to like that because they're the people that are supporting Donald Trump. But there's a much larger percentage of people in the country that are not identifying as Republicans that are independents or people that would just go along with whoever the nominee is unless there was a better option. And I think that's what R- Romney is trying to play off here. That he's I the hear you, option. but th- yeah, but this, but you're right. This could very easily backfire as much as it could turn into a, a huge positive for the Republican Party. I'm just trying to lay out that that's what I believe the strategy is mm-hmm. here for Romney and potentially for the Republican National Committee. But you're right. There's going to be this is not going to be a smooth thing. The bigger problem, though, is they probably don't think that Donald Trump is a good for the country or b electable. And that's that's the big worry. Mitt Romney, if anything, is electable to people that would vote for Republicans. He just is, Mm -hmm. especially when you compare him to somebody who's a questionable Republican like Donald Trump. Probably he's better off against Hillary, too. And I think the Democrats should be concerned because Mitt Romney versus Hillary is a completely different argument than Donald Trump versus Hillary. Look, his, his bankruptcies have crushed small businesses and the men and women who work for them. He inherited his business. He didn't create it. And whatever happened to Trump Airlines? How about Trump University? And then there's Trump Magazine and Trump Vodka and Trump Steaks. And Trump mortgage, a business genius, he is not. Now, not every policy that Donald Trump has floated is bad, of course. He wants to repeal and replace Obamacare. He wants to bring jobs home from China and Japan. But his prescriptions to do those things are flimsy at best. At the last debate, all he could remember about his health care plan was to remove insurance boundaries between states. Successfully bringing jobs home requires serious policy and reforms that make America the place businesses want to come, want to plant, and want to grow. You can't punish business into doing what you want. Frankly, the only serious policy proposals that deal with a broad range of national challenges we confront today come from Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and John Kasich. The establishment Republican, although it's crazy that Ted Cruz is like lumped into the establishment. You know what I mean? He is now. So he's given a little bump to these guys. But again, this is mostly about I'm the adult here. I'm the um, invested onlooker. You know what I mean? I'm kind of on the outside, but I'm worried about my party and my country, that type of tact. And then he's going to be then judging by the reaction. Yes. He either jumps completely into the pool or he takes his toe out and he goes back to you know, wherever, Utah. Do you think, how how do you think Ted Cruz feels right now about being lumped into the establishment? It's annoying. It's undermining for him because he he's the he's a Tea Party guy. Yeah, you because know? he's like, supposed to be the outsider. I'm a straight talker. Yeah, you know, exactly. Right. It's frustrating, but he's got to know that at best he's a vice presidential, potentially, but I mean, but I really don't think so. I think Rubio's probably the guy. Yeah, Cruz is kind of off on his own. If, if mm. he survives, he survives. But he's already outmatched by Trump and you know it, it just is what it is but yeah it sucks for him because he spent a long time getting a, an amount of support and trying to make that argument but Trump ate his lunch right from the start Trump is the outsider because he's literally not even a politician hmm. one of these men should be our nominee yeah, or me whatever <laughs> now I know that some people want this race to be over they, they look at history and and say a trend like Mr. Trump's isn't going to be stopped. Perhaps. But the rules of political history have pretty much all been shredded during this campaign. It's a great argument. I mean, that's the right... Right. Mm -hmm. Correct. See, he has to present this 
as like, here's some stuff I've noticed. You know what I mean? I get what's going on. I have my finger on the pulse. I've been paying attention. I haven't said anything, but you know what? I got to say something now because I'll regret it. And it's just, eh, well, you know, th- th- that's sort of the tact he's taking until there's a poll that comes out that's like, would you vote for Mitt Romney? And if 70% of people say, yeah, I'm in. He's in. You know what I mean? That's that's all he's doing here. He's testing the waters. And it started a couple of weeks ago. It started with the te- the tweets and the mm-hmm. shit that they mentioned in the debates. And here it is. Now it's come to fruition. So let's let's see where it goes. Now, again, we got a little bit left in the, the press conference. It's f- I want to listen to it. I haven't heard it. And we might as well keep watching it. Yeah. And then we'll wrap up the show. And some common ground. I believe we can nominate a person who can win the general election and who will represent the values and policies of conservatism. Given the current delegate selection process, that means that I'd vote for Marco Rubio in Florida and for John Kasich in Ohio and for Ted Cruz or whichever one of the other two contenders has the best chance of beating Mr. Trump in a given state. Now let me turn to national security and the safety of our homes and loved ones. Mr. Trump's bombast is already alarming our allies and fueling the enmity of our enemies. Insulting all Muslims will keep many of them from fully engaging with us in their urgent fight against ISIS. And for what purpose? Muslim terrorists would only have to lie about their religion to enter the country. And then what he said about 60 Minutes. Did you hear this? It was about. It's, it's like you know. I was just watching sixty minutes, like I'm, I'm, I'm have to do, and I. You know, it's, can you believe this shit? Syria and ISIS, and it has to go down as the most ridiculous and dangerous idea of the entire campaign season. Let ISIS take out Assad, he said, and then we can pick up the remnants. Now think about that. Let the most dangerous terror organization the world has ever known. De- debatable, but all right. The Nazis are essentially, well, whatever, forget it. We're not going to take over an entire country. This recklessness is recklessness in the extreme. Now, Donald Trump tells us that he is very, very smart. (laughs) I'm afraid that when it comes to foreign policy, he is very, very not smart. Thank you. I wrote that on the plane. Thank you. Applause break for Romney. Now, I'm far from the first to conclude that Donald Trump lacks the temperament to be president. After all, this is an individual who mocked a disabled reporter, who attributed a reporter's questions to her menstrual cycle, who mocked a brilliant uh, rival who had... So at what point did the establishment go... We can't have Donald represent us. Day one, they don't, they they just didn't take him that seriously, and they didn't have a a, a proper plan against him. This so, is the so plan they waited him. nine months. Yeah, or this was always the plan. We I've said this to you before, and I've said it on the podcast that like they can get to the convention and just be like, nope, here's Mitt Romney. That this could have been did the plan say all that. along. Yeah, of course we did. We did say that because okay. it's and here it is. It's coming true. I mean, in fairness, I also did say that I didn't think Trump was really running. It seemed insane, but okay, here we are. Yeah, he's running. This is this is this is part of the plan, you know what I mean? Or at least it's something they threw together. Like, well, we got to give it a shot because is Donald in on the plan? No, I don't think so. No, no. Again, Donald Trump. It was the same idea. Uh, forget who emailed in, being like, "This is just to get Hillary elected." Donald Trump doesn't do shit to get other people elected or to get make other people win. I, he, to me, he doesn't strike me as the take a bullet guy. It's mm-hmm. not that guy. Happened to be a woman due to her appearance. And also, you know, by the way, Romney does come across, 
whatever, forget his policies. He's a nice guy, probably. Like, mm-hmm. if you ran into Mitt Romney, he'd probably be a nice enough guy to, to talk to. Trump, uh, I don't know. You know, and that that's a bit of the argument, too, where who would you rather or who would look more sane or palatable debating Hillary Clinton? Trump? Because Trump's going to get mad, and he's going to yell at a woman, and I know that's ridiculous because it's 2016, and she's probably one of the most powerful women on earth, but it's still going to look like this ogre (laughs) screaming at an old lady. You know what I mean? That's what it's going to look like. Who bragged about his marital affairs and who laces his public speeches with vulgarity. Donald Trump says he admires Vladimir Putin. At the same time, he's called George W. Bush a liar. Well, yes. That is a twisted example of evil trumping good. Does let me ask you this question, Joe? Does Mitt Romney look more presidential than Rubio, Cruz, K- Bush, Kasich, Trump? Even I wouldn't say more than Kasich, but the but Rubio and Cruz, yes, right. There's a dark irony in his boasts of his sexual exploits during the Vietnam War, while at the same time, John McCain, whom he has mocked, was imprisoned and tortured. Dishonesty. McCain actually came out and was like, I, I'm glad that Romney said that. He, he made mm-hmm. a stand today. It's the, the, the tide's starting to turn. Doesn't mean they're going to be able to stop it, but they're trying. Donald Trump's hallmark. He claimed that he had spoken clearly and boldly against going into Iraq. Wrong. He spoke in favor of invading Iraq. He said he saw thousands of Muslims in New Jersey celebrating 9-11. Wrong. He saw no such thing. He imagined it. He's not of the temperament of the kind of stable, thoughtful person we need as leader. See, now... Those, those are, that's as clear as it gets. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't catch on or people aren't on board with this, but I got to imagine that the base, the, the, certainly the conservative side, as opposed to like the tea party side of the party or whatever, the anti-establishment side, they, they got to be loving this. I mean, this is great. The next thing he says is one of the best sound bites I've ever heard. Wow. Okay. Joey's setting it up. Here we go. His imagination must not be married to real power. That, yes, that's a great line. Yes. That's one of the quotes that I heard. His imagination must not be married to real power. Absolutely. Yes. Strong. That's a strong sentence. The president of the United States has long been the leader of the free world. The president and, yes, even the nominees of the country's great parties helped define America to billions of people around the world. All of them bear the responsibility of being an example for our children and our grandchildren. Think of Donald Trump's personal qualities, the bullying, the greed, the showing off, the misogyny, the absurd third grade theatrics. You know, we've long referred to him as the Donald. Which is the the best nickname in America, period. The only person in the entire country to whom we have added an article before his name. And it wasn't because he had attributes we admired. Wow, Romney. Now imagine your children and your grandchildren acting the way he does. Would you welcome that? Haven't we seen before what happens when people in prominent positions fail the basic responsibility of honorable conduct? I mean, these are all good points. By the way, I want to promote this. I watched uh, 
came out a while ago. It's a documentary, I think, on Showtime. It's probably on Netflix, whatever. You, mm-hmm. you guys know where to find stuff. Called Romney. And it's about, it follows Mitt during the 2012 election. Um, and if he had shown, like, it's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff, kind mm-hmm. of his family life. If he had shown any of that, during the campaign, he would have won. I mean, he definitely would have beaten Obama for oh, sure. So he wouldn't have been seen like a robot, like a robot. Yeah. Hello, Mitt Romney. But like he, you know, you get you get to see a better side of. Doesn't mean his policies change, but you get to see a guy. You go, oh, he's he's just like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Doesn't mean his policies probably wouldn't impact people negatively or whatever. But it's like just per as a human being, you you all right. You know what? I I can I see the human side of this guy. So one could say that they know the human side of Donald Trump through how many years of reality television shows? Well, no, because no? that's because reality shows produced reality, which is an actual term. God forgive us all. Uh, you know, you know, that's, that's not real life either. That's that's not what it is. If you followed Donald Trump around 24-7 with a camera and had full uh, editing you know, uh, editing control, you'd get a real look at what Donald Trump's like, and it's probably not a great-looking uh, portrayal, but whatever. We have, and it always injures our families and our country. Watch, by the way, how he responds to my speech today. Right, which he was doing at 1.30, but we could have it next week. Will he, uh, will he talk about our policy differences, or will he attack me with every imaginable low-road insult? This may tell you what you need to know about his temperament, his stability, and his suitability to be president. Now, Mr. Trump relishes any poll that reflects what he thinks of himself. But polls are also saying that he will lose to Hillary Clinton. That's the argument. Think about that. Mm -hmm. On Hillary Clinton's watch, the State Department, when she was guiding it and part of the Obama administration, she Let's dissembled. Get, we've to heard the this whole thing. See, but now he's shifting to this is how I would attack Hillary. Here's mm-hmm. a little sample. There's a little little sampler a combo coming from Mitt Romney here. Trading their political influence. It's an addition tape. The, here, I'm just going to skip Trump here. Hold on. Is a okay, here. victory. And the audio and video of the infamous Tapper Trump exchange on the Ku Klux Klan will play a hundred thousand time, times on cable and who knows how many million times on social media. There are a number of people who claim that Mr. Trump is a con man, a fake. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, two people chanted, we love Mitt, and Romney went, thank you. Well, that was because somebody else said something. All right, well, those people suck. Just y- shut you want to know up. what they said? Yes. Oh, yes, Joey, I do. You're desperate. You're desperate, they said to yes. Romney? He's not desperate. I mean, Romney's not desperate. No, no, the party in itself is desperate. Uh, definitely. <laughs> All right. Will you watch this thing? What do you think? Is there anything else worth... Uh, I mean, we get the gist, right? Yeah, you get the gist. All right. I mean, look, I got to say... Well, let me actually... Let me just see. Let's skip right to the end. Let's see how we wrap this thing up. Here we go. There's one minute left in the in the video. Let's just see what he says here. Thank you, and God bless you all. Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to end Donald it. Trump is a phony, a fraud. His promises are as worthless as a degree from Trump University. I mean, this is hard hitting. <laughs> it is. He's playing the members of the American public for suckers. He gets a free ride to the White House, and all we get is a lousy hat. 
That should have hit harder, His Mitt. You did a good job. Would lead to recession. His foreign policies would make America and the world less safe. He has neither the temperament nor the judgment to be president, and his personal qualities would mean that America would cease to be a shining city on a hill. I'm convinced America has greatness ahead, and this is a time for choosing. God bless us to choose a nominee who will make that vision a reality. Thank you, and God bless you all. Thank you. All right, so it's become ABT. What's that? Anyone but Trump? I mean, I think it's been that for quite a while amongst rational people. I mm-hmm. mean, against people that I think are enamored with the idea of like, he he tells it like it is. Like, oh, shut up. You, you've been tricked, you dunces. But it is what it is. Um, all right. There you go. That's Mitt Romney. Now, again, of course, normally we would have more concise clips mm-hmm. that we would get into, but it is what I didn't see it today. So that was the first I heard of it. That was my truly off-the-cuff remarks about uh, Mitt Romney's uh, speech today. We'll probably have Trump's comments that he made in response to that. Uh, might not even be worth next, it. Might not be worth it. Okay. Um, but, all right. Anyway, Joey, thoughts? Final thoughts? I can't wait to see what happens tonight at the debate. Yeah, I'm going to definitely try to, you know, again, guys, I'm going to try to watch it. I'm going to try to get some clips on that. Um, busy, busy time. I think we try to put together a nice show every week. I think we do that. Um so I'll see. But yeah, I mean, you're going to watch it, Joey? Yes. All right. Yeah, I probably won't watch it tonight. I'll get the video. I'll try to watch it, take some notes, and we'll you know, we'll see how it goes going into next week. All right. Thank you, everybody, very much for listening to the program. We appreciate it. I appreciate all the feedback all week. It's very nice to hear from you guys. Uh, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Sampson. You can subscribe and follow us on there. You can listen to all the old episodes. Leave a comment on the new episodes. Um, I respond to all of those. YouTube.com slash Sampson. Watch the show stream live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Again, I'm also going to try to make a very good faith effort to get that video up. Um, if it doesn't go up, my apologies. Please uh, check out the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. Uh, but I'll try to get those videos up, the full episodes up when I can. Email us, mandatorysampson at gmail.com. I respond to all those emails, and if it's something particularly relevant, I might even read it on the program. Twitter.com slash mansamp. Twitter.com slash joey from Jersey. Jersey's J-E-R-Z-E-Y. Uh, same handles on Snapchat. What else? That's about it. That's uh, it. I think that was a good episode. And um, we love you guys. Continue to support us, share the podcast, all that Good stuff, and we're going to talk to you next week. <laughs>